Let's pray. Gracious God, thank you that you loved us so much that you came here, died, and rose again so that not only are the chains of death broken, but the chains of hatred and despair as well. We are invited to life, eternal life. Thanks be to God. Alleluia. Amen. Each one of the gospel writers, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, have their own way of telling the resurrection story. But without question, Matthew's telling is the most dramatic. There are special effects with an earthquake and an angel who looks like lightning and rolls back a giant stone like a superhuman being that an angel is. It all sounds a bit like a Marvel Avengers movie, doesn't it? And then there's drama. The angel who rolls back the stone then sits on it, defiantly, at least as I picture it, while the guards who witness these goings-on tremble with fear and become as though they are dead. Now, what does that mean? Does that mean they fell down or they're standing like statues? I don't know. The lightning angel then tells the women, Don't be afraid. Jesus has arisen. Go quickly and tell the disciples. So they start running. But then they see Jesus who says, Greetings, which sounds impossibly casual, doesn't it, given the circumstances? Greetings. How's it going? And the women bow down, instinctively take hold of his feet and worship him. This is followed uh, quickly by more instructions from Jesus, the shortest worship service that ever took place. 35 seconds. So what's What's up with this super dramatic, leave nothing to the imagination rendition? Well, I think that Matthew is unapologetically confronting our disbelief with a bright flash of light and a message. God is unwilling to accept death as the final word, and so in God's hands, death is reversed into life. And that is, when you think about it, (laughs) a fairly dramatic thing, isn't it? Therefore, stones don't get in God's way, guards don't get in God's way, and death doesn't get in God's way. And if God can open up tombs and bring forth life, perhaps God can also open up our fearful and unbelieving hearts and create faith. He surely did with both Marys. Now, fear is referenced three times in this passage. Why were the Marys afraid? Well, we don't know uh, for sure, but I don't think they were afraid for their safety necessarily or for any impending judgment. And while many people at this time uh, did in fact believe in life after death of some kind, That was supposed to be in the next world, uh, not this one, (laughs) yet (laughs) there he was, there was Jesus, uh, risen from the dead and very much in this world and standing right in front of the Marys. And so the message of Easter is about life after death, beyond a shadow of a doubt, but it's also about 
life before death. You think about it. Jesus, you see, stands before each of us in this life, calling us into new life with him. You could say that our eternal life begins now, not after we die. I think the Marys were afraid, perhaps, because they knew their lives would never be the same again, and change can be scary, right? We know that at, at Mount Carmel. And change is exactly what happened next. These women, when you think about it, became the very first Christian worshipers, instinctively bowing at Jesus' feet in worship. But that doesn't last long. Jesus says, go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There I will meet them. So filled with both fear and joy, which one is it? Well, it's both. We're complicated uh, beings, are we not? The Marys were now the first Christian evangelists given good news to go and share. That's a lot of change for one day. And what a marvelous review of the rhythms of Christian life. We are drawn into worship and quickly sent into mission. And furthermore, God says, I'll meet you out there where you're sent in mission. And God invites us to look for him out there. I'll meet you out there. We're going to come back to that. Where? Where is God out there? But will our bleak, unbelieving hearts allow for this state of affairs? After all, our own hearts and minds are sometimes like a guarded tomb. I know mine is. The risen Christ may be loose in the world, but we are fearful. Fearful of what? Either fearful of change or fearful that nothing will change. Fearful that we will miss God altogether and be unable to perceive God because our faith isn't good enough. The rhythm of resurrection in our story today is articulated by the angel. He's not here. He is risen. But for many today who have at least some Christian conviction, this order is reversed. He is risen, we generally affirm, Pews are, are full on Easter. We all know that message and we believe it. He is risen, but he's not here. Not in my boring life. We just don't often see evidence of the risen Christ around us, perhaps, particularly not the kind that we see in the Avengers version of Matthew's story. Our problem might be that we expect to see God in supernatural ways and are not open to the common ways that the risen Christ appears to us. Remember, Jesus Christ is loose in our world, that kind of mundane, sometimes really boring, sometimes disheartening world. That's where he is. There was a delightful assignment given to the grade school children of Our Lady of Perpetual Help in Honolulu, Hawaii, that has Easter written all over it. The assignment was this. Go out and take pictures of where you see God, kids. 
And eventually they came up with pictures and they had notes about each picture. The results are published in the book God's Photo Album. Their message? God is all over the place. Now, I don't have the pictures for you, but in some ways that's better. You'll have to use your imaginations. I have some of their text. Five-year-old Deandra wrote about her pictures. Quote, I've learned that God lives in the Hard Rock Cafe. She also wrote, I saw Miss Universe in the hotel lobby with God. Victoria wrote, I see God by the peacock. He was feeding it lots of food and asking, are you happy? Isn't that cute? Brianna wrote, I took a picture of my brother because I love him and God is love. Crystal wrote, I found this man. He was full of aloha. He was enjoying the cool breeze and his spam, rice, and vegetables. He looked like he only wanted some time with God. In a picture of a man sitting by himself, Carlin wrote, I see God waiting for someone to talk to. And possibly the most memorable, Melissa took a picture of her mom's hands. I see God in my mom's hands because she always works hard, and when she works hard, she uses her beautiful hands. And there's many more. This is Easter stuff, my friends, an invitation to engage your, imagine, your imaginations with a God who is loose in the world. Christ is all around you, and it's possible that we're not paying attention. Again, I know that's true of me. Yet for some of us, it's not just that life seems too mundane for God to show up. It seems too painful or lonely for God to be present, too God-forsaken. Garrison Keeler's description of his Aunt Marie is to the point. She knew that death was only a door to the kingdom where Jesus would welcome her. There would be no crying there, no suffering. But meanwhile, she was overweight, her head hurt, and she lived alone with her ill-tempered little dogs, tottering around her dark little house full of Chinese figurines and old Sunday tribunes. What Aunt Marie is saying is, he's not here. <laughs> Interestingly, Jesus on the cross said the same thing, and this is why the cross is so important. Jesus said the same thing. God, why are you not here? And yet, from the pain of our lives, the promise is resurrection comes. This is what Easter is about. Margaret uh, Wordle is an author and philanthropist who lost her son to a mountain climbing accident in 1995 and has wrestled with grief ever since. When he died, she writes, a part of her died with him. Okay, there's big death and there's partial deaths that we die inside. Little ones, maybe almost every day, big ones, like losing someone we love. 
She couldn't comprehend anything good coming out of her son's death. But she continued to contemplate death and Christian teaching. She writes, and I quote, The whole Christian story is so much the story of sacrifice and resurrection. It's a habit of thoughts, of expectations. My language and way of thinking about things have changed. When a tragedy happens now, the next question for me is, where's the resurrection? Where's the resurrection? We know that death does not have the last word. God does. And that word is what? Life. So, she waited for the resurrection inside of her, and it came. Pulled out of the dark night of her soul, she now feels more compassion for others. She savors life more. But her language and her way of thinking had to change. Did you catch that? There's, there's change again. Adjusting to the rhythms of death and resurrection. Where do you see resurrection? In a mother's hands? A man on a park bench? Or in the periodic revival of your deflated spirit for whatever reason? I close with an anecdote from everyday life that for me was all about resurrection. In my youth director days, I drove our church bus. Oh, those days of the Class B license driving that, it was kind of fun. Once on a ski retreat, after a long day of skiing, we all piled into our bus and headed back to Camp Wapo. We drove a few miles, and then a really fun thing happened. We ran out of gas. <laughs> and there in the middle of nowhere, I took endless ribbing and abuse from my youth group for letting the bus run out of gas in the middle of the winter, at night, and out in the country. Bad deal. I knew that I'd basically been just a big dope, but their taunts only made it worse. We did get some help quickly. We picked up our things at WAPO and headed back to the cities that night. I drove for a while in silence, wounded by the events of the night, deflated, humiliated. I wasn't asking, where's the resurrection? But it came nonetheless. One of our senior high girls, Alyssa, came up front, sat on the floor uh, next to me by the driver's seat, and just started talking to me. She didn't give me a hard time about running out of gas. She didn't even mention it. She was kind of a deep thinker, and after some small talk, she had some God questions she wanted to explore with me. And so, we explored. Afterward, I didn't feel like such an idiot, idiot uh, anymore, even though I basically was. I felt like a Christian youth director who was helping someone on their faith journey, which I was. Now, was that God resurrecting my spirit through Alyssa? You bet it was. There's no, there's no question about it. The risen Christ is loose in the world, working in many and various ways through many and various people to bring about life in the midst of our everyday struggles. That's where God is, the resurrected God through Jesus. And right when feel, things feel pretty bad, resurrection living dares ask the question, 
Where's the resurrection? And in faith we wait, knowing what the final word will be. Life. Amen.